Hello everyone, Andrew from the Indie Interview here, bringing you another interview from an inspiring indie or on an indie related topic. But today I'm talking to Karen Espley and we're talking about setting up businesses when you're an indie. Now, Karen is the author of this really wonderful book here, The Profitable Business, uh, how to create a thriving business that works for you in seven short steps. And I could really recommend it to you. And I thought, who better to ask some questions about setting up a business as an indie? Those, those questions that I think all of us want to know the answer to. So hello, Karen. Sorry, a bit of a long introduction there. That's quite all right. Big me up every, as much as you like. That's fine with me. No, well, I think, I think you should be bigged up because this is a very good book. Thank you very um, much. Thank you for sort of coming on to answer some sort of questions that I think if you're an indie, um, you know, you'd be really interested to know. So I'm going to ask you 10 questions about Hi. setting up businesses as an indie and, and hopefully you will have some insightful um, thoughts on all of them and, you, and you'll clear away, you can provide some clarity as to, you know, exactly what they are. And I suppose a really good place to start is if you are an indie and um, what are the different types of businesses you can set up and i've heard of in uh, i've heard of hobby lifestyle mainstream businesses self-employed limited company there's a lot of terms that are thrown around so yeah maybe some some thoughts on that to start off with well, yes, I mean, there are lots of different types of businesses. So, you know, if we start at the top of yours, you've got hobby and lifestyle. Well, I would probably put those under the same umbrella. Um, those are where you're not reliant on the income coming in. So it is sort of more of a hobby. Um, so it's, you know, where you want to make some extra money or it's something you really love doing, but it doesn't require you to... Uh, yeah, it's not it's not as stressful to have a hobby or lifestyle business because you know you've got income coming from somewhere else or you're you're supported elsewhere so that's kind of if you're going to do it that's probably or something you're doing part-time so you've got a full-time job and you're doing it at the weekends because it's something that you love doing so it's um, up a business for fun I, absolutely I mean it might be that you decide that it is so much fun and actually it's earning you some money that you want to turn it into a full-time business at some stage in the future mm -hmm. it's actually quite a safe way for somebody who's yeah. dipping their, their toe in the water of maybe I could do this full-time um, but I would sort of um, a little bit of caution there because I've had friends who have loved their hobby so I had a friend mm -hmm. who absolutely loved flower arranging flower making and yeah. she was very good at it um, she took a floristry course, uh, set up a floristry business, had a high street presence, and she loathed it. The running of the business took away all her joy for what she actually loved doing. So it's just one of those things, just be slightly careful about doing what you love when it becomes a business is a whole different ball game. So it may not be something you love anymore. It may be something you learn to loathe. Oh dear. Indeed. And what, what about the, the categories, sort of self-employed, limited company, you know, that gets a bit confusing sometimes. <clears throat> well, self-employed is what I did, it's what I call the contractor model. Um, it's what I did when I first left uh, corporate land centuries ago, it feels like now. Um, so that's where you basically hire yourself at. You're a hired gun. So I yeah. did all sorts. I had a, did an MBA back in the 90s and I sort of worked in a sort of operations background. So I got lots of contract work, uh, helping people write procedure manuals. I did all sorts of stuff, actually. I did some project management. 
I work with a, a, one of the big banks on their graduate training scheme, sort of going out and training. So I did all sorts, but I hired myself out, right? It wasn't running a business. Um, it's actually a pretty uh, low risk one um, mm -hmm. because the money is generally pretty good because you're generally working yeah. with corporate. The day rate's very good and you don't have to think too much about it. The challenge is, of course, is getting the work. Yeah. Um, I was really lucky because I had stayed in touch with people that I'd worked with in previous companies. So I had a really, really good network and actually I started working almost immediately after I left and I didn't I didn't stop I constantly got contracts and referrals and people that I'd worked with before so that's actually a um, a really nice one but you know you have to have something to sell like being a project manager or you know being an expert in a particular area that companies will buy in for you to use yeah. um, that was very very lucrative uh, lucrative business for me to be in actually whilst I was doing it um, and so yes, the whole load of stuff. I mean, I could talk forever about this stuff, but this, you know, if you are going to be a self-employed contract, then you absolutely need to be on LinkedIn. You have to have a really professional LinkedIn profile explaining exactly what it is you do. And you're going to have to network like crazy with your old contacts to try and find work that way. It's increasingly difficult to get contract work unless you've got a really good network. Okay. I, so I, that's I, that one. Let me move on to the limited company yeah. side of things. So that kind of really falls under so you could be a trader, you could be a limited company, you could be a limited liability uh, partnership. And then uh, the one that you missed out, um, Andrew, which is your area of expertise is social enterprises, charities. Yeah. yeah. Now those all fall under the same umbrella for me. It's just a matter of choosing which one that you do. So this is where you want to make what you do your business. So most people will start off as a sole trader, uh, which is just, you know, you can set up, go and find a, a business name, go and check that it's not been taken under company's house right. and just set up. So you can keep your own bank account. You don't have to do anything. You'll get taxed as a normal taxpayer. Um, and yeah. quite often it's a safe option to do. So you start off, am I getting there? Um, and then you can decide at a later stage whether you want to become a limited company or not. Right. I chose to become a limited company pretty early on. Uh, certainly when I was a contractor because I hit the, the back threshold pretty quickly and actually, you know, that makes sense to be a limited company. Um, being a limited company does give you some benefits. It protects you because mm -hmm. the company itself is the, is the entity. So if it all goes yeah. horribly wrong, right. you are not personally liable for any of the losses the, biz the business is. Well, that's a um, point. It is, it is an important point. I mean, yeah, limited liability partnerships, quite often like lawyers and solicitors or LLPs um, and consultancy practice. Again, it's a whole different, we had an LLP when four of us owned an HMO, so a, a house of multiple occupancy. Right. It was just the way that was just easy to set it up that way. Um, I am by no means an expert on which of these are the right option for you. Um, and I would highly recommend that anybody who's trying to work out which way they go to go and talk to someone like an accountant or a, a lawyer just to try and work out which is the, the best option for them. Um, you know, social enterprises, there are, there are grants available for social enterprises out there um, and a lot of support. So if you wanted to set up as a social enterprise, that is an option. Um, but again, there are certain limitations and, and guidelines and rules around it. So it, it is quite challenging. But, you know, my advice would be to get advice to make that decision about what, what would be the right thing for you. So it sounds, it sounds like it's a complex choice. You need to get it right and go and get some advice from someone like a lawyer or an accountant. 
Absolutely. I would say the easiest thing is set up as a sole trader. It's, it's pretty easy to, to convert to something else afterwards, but definitely get some advice. And I, I presume that there's probably quite quite a bit of advice online as well that you could look at and probably some quite credible stuff from people like the the government and local enterprise kind of bodies as well. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So okay, you, you've decided what you're going to do. You know, yeah. How easy is it to make that transition from being an employed person to being self-employed? Well, again, I think it really depends on what you want to do. So being a contractor was relatively easy, right? You just hire yourself out and off you jolly well go. So it's not actually that different other than you may have to travel. Um, But, um, you know, if you are actually going to set up a business, and the first thing I did actually before I became self-employed, and it's not necessarily the easy things, it was easy for me, I was single, uh, was I saved up enough money to last a year. So I built up reserves so that I didn't have to panic, right? So I knew that everything was going to be paid for, even down to my last packet of facts when I was still smoking, right? I had got, I called it my FOF fund, which is my Foxtrot Oscar fund, right? It was the fund that I had that stopped me from panicking. And actually, because people can smell desperation, right? So having that money in the bank relaxed me. So um, and certainly if you're starting up a new business, so you've, you've given up work for whatever reason, redundancy, or you've decided this is what you're going to do full time, having that money in the bank before you start gives you some options. It makes you relax yeah. and not think, oh my God, I've got to rush out there and I've got to get some business and then you might start making some mistakes. So um, it's really important to plan so you can't just decide tomorrow that's it i'm giving up and i'm going to become the next richard branson it takes some preparation to do it and the other thing is you know i was you know i didn't have a partner but if you do have a partner and you're going to launch upon this new entrepreneurial journey your partner absolutely has to be on board with this right Mm -hmm. um you know if you're earning good money at the moment and you're going to give that all up to what is a precarious existence uh for most of us uh certainly for the first few years they absolutely need to be on board and supporting you um in that so it's not just something you you should decide to do on your own you need to get the support of your um of your other half um and of course the other thing is you know if you are giving up you're not going to an office anymore so you're going to be at home so if you're setting up your office at home they your other halves children whatever cats they may wander in and out by the way um they need to be aware that when you're in your office where whatever your office is it's the dining table whether it's a box room your garage whatever that you are at work and they need to honor that as much as that and you need to be strict about your working day so them coming in saying oh can you take the rubbish out can you just nip to get the children can you just go and do that can be really really distracting and actually an easy thing for us to get distracted by. So it's about getting, you know, getting all that. And if it's, too, if it's too difficult to do that at home, there are plenty of places you can go and hot desk, yeah. um, you know, which don't cost very much. You go and sit at a desk in a, in a hot desking environment. Uh, you can sit in a pub. I quite often go and sit in a pub during the daytime, it's nice and quiet, or a cafe where they've got internet just to get out so that you can concentrate and you're not going to be distracted at home. So. I would say they, they, those are the biggest things. It's like, you know, you, you're having to, you know, move from a comfortable corporate environment where everything is done for you to actually you're now going to have to do everything yourself. Um, and 
remember, you're not going to be getting your monthly paycheck. You're not going to be getting holiday pay. You're not going to be getting sick pay. There's a lot of things to think about. Um, and suddenly you're the master of your own universe. So it has, it is very exciting, but it's, it can take time. I moved from corporate world into the world of SMEs. It was like moving into a parallel universe, right? I had no idea. So you have to get used to it. I turned up to networking meetings in my suit and terrified the bejesus out of everybody. Um, so there's all these things that you learn. It is a completely different world. Um, and it takes a lot of getting used to. There's a lot of, of useful information there. Preparation, building up a fund, getting buy-in from family, and yeah. just working out how you're going to work, how you're going to make that transition. Can I mm -hmm. kind of move on to another question, which is kind of linked? Yeah, sure. I've seen sort of franchised or templated businesses out there where you can go and buy into a business. You know, it might be selling beauty products or at one level, another level, it might be going out and cleaning ovens. Uh, do you think that's a good way to move forward for people? Uh, um, when and before I became sort of uh, a business coach in my own right with the Chameleon Guide, I actually did buy a, a coaching franchise. Yeah. Um, so there are so there's two things. There's the MLMs, which is the the beauty products, the Forever Livings, the Canaways, the Ams, the Amways, all those. As you say, the oven cleaning ones, uh, home tires. There's ton. There are more businesses that you yeah. know. That, uh, McDonald's is a franchise. Um, you know, yeah. but so the, the advantage of a franchise, the reason I bought a franchise was um, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. Somebody's already come up with the processes and the systems. So why reinvent the wheel? Why not just get an off the shelf system that I can use? Uh, you get fully trained. Um, and for me, it was getting the support of a bigger network of people behind me. Yeah. So for me, it was lots of advantages. I get got to work from home. I got to be self-employed, uh, but I had the support of a of a bigger network behind me. That was the reason why I bought a franchise. Right. Um, but it comes with a lot of warnings, right? You absolutely have to do your research. I researched a lot of franchises before um, I chose this one. Um, so. I just so I'll have to read off here because I can't remember all the questions. But there's a load of questions you need to ask yourself. Is one is the first one is are they a member of the British Franchise Association? Would be a, a good place to check the BFA. Um, and if they're not, you might want to ask the question why not? It's kind of one of those marks of approval, right? That they they have been approved by a, a body. Um, and I would certainly ask their report and accounts for the last five years so that you can see that they actually are a viable business. Um, it's just standard due diligence and look at the training. What does the training include? Yeah. So if you've never run a business before, you want to know that their training also includes how you set up your business, how you run your accounts, how you yeah. do everything as well as using the system. Um, I mean, most of them do people like tax assist, you know, they tell you to go and find an office and they give you all the support and types of what type of office yeah. you need. So you want a soup to nuts system. Um, and for me, the most important one is what is the support they're going to give you once you've been trained? Right. Um, you know, are they just going to let you free upon the world and, and now off you go? Now, some franchises do that, which is, you know, and it's the biggest complaint I, I hear from other people in, in other franchises is they get trained. They don't get any sales leads. Uh, they have to go and generate their own business um, and they get very little support from the head office. So really, you know, be aware that most franchises will not give you leads. 
sales leads, you are going to have to go and sell at some stage. Um, you need to find out what your monthly fee is. So you will have to pay them a monthly fee. Um, and this has to be paid whether or not you've earned any money generally. So you have to check different franchises have got slightly different, uh, different rules. Uh, we had a six month window without having to pay. Um, and then we had to pay this month. So every month before I did anything else, I had to pay this not inconsiderable amount of money to pay it. Um, and what the other big thing is, what is the minimum franchise term? Mine was a five year term. Wow. Uh, yeah, which can be really expensive if you decide you want to leave. So the other big thing is check what the termination conditions are. Some are really good. Some you just have to give six months notice um, and that's your pound of flesh. In my case, in theory, I would have had to pay the remaining three and a half years of my franchise fee to them. So, you know, really, really read the small print on this stuff. Um, okay, so I just make sure. Oh, now in terms of research, uh, obviously the franchise will give you contact details of people to contact. They will give you the people who are obviously doing really, really well in the franchise. Yeah. Uh, I have been contacted by a number of people on LinkedIn who found me. Obviously, my franchise name is still on there. So I'd go and look for other people in that franchise and contact them to find out how it, how it was for them. So you get some, you don't just get the rose-tinted spectacle uh, perspective of it. Um, and get everything in writing from the franchise or everything in writing. If you ask them any questions, make sure they respond to it in writing. So should it all go horribly peaked on, you've got everything in writing. Um, and finally, yeah. uh, get a franchise lawyer. If you are going to get the fran, get them to go through your franchise yeah. uh, agreement with a fine tooth nail. And find out. I had a side letter with mine because I had a few uh, areas that I wanted to still be uh, um, in play at the end of it all. Um, was that actually the termination agreement completely overwrote the side letter? So that side letter was a complete. Yeah waste of time mm -hmm. so um but say so there are some excellent ones like you know people like pink spaghetti i know they are fantastic they they're a va uh, franchise yeah. and i know they've got a very thriving online support community um and you know people in pink spaghetti love being that because it's a fantastic franchise so really absolutely needs to do your your research mlms sound like a great idea um but I would go and do some research on actually whether that MLM makes money. There's a lot of research to show that MLMs don't make people money. And with all of these things, they're not, neither getting a franchise nor an MLM is the easy route, right? It's still like setting up a business. You still have to graft. You still have to sell. You still have to get out there and market your business. You still have to do your accounts. Um, so it's really, if you want a system and you get the support and the network and you're prepared to graph, then actually it's, it's a pretty good option for people. So, so really it's do your research, buyer beware. But Abs be absolutely. Beware. And you, you mentioned, you know, um, perhaps getting a franchise lawyer there. You know, when you're setting up a business, you probably don't want to spend too much money, but what support should you pay people for? What, what, what do you think is essential? Hmm. I'm glad you're drinking your tea because I won't. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm gonna have another quick. Um, so the well, 
there are lots of things you shouldn't be paying for that too many of us did pay for um, in our first few years. So the, the, again, I think it depends on your level of experience. Yeah. So how much experience have you got of running a business? If you've never run a business before, uh, then you really need to learn about running a business. Um, and there are plenty of courses out there uh, that sort of taught you through the basics of setting up, helping you choose, for example, whether you should be a sole trader or what have you, and talking you through the, the you know, there's the planning, there's the, uh, your products, what are you selling, who are you selling it to, your setting up of all your systems, there's the process, there's the, um, you know, there is the selling, there's the marketing, there is all these aspects of running a business um that if you don't know how to do it then you need to get support right as a minimum if you're doing this seriously right this is going to be your day job i got an accountant from day one uh okay it costs me 100 pounds a month yeah but that person does my vat they do my corporate my company tax for me they do my personal tax for me they know what they're doing Right. And this is the whole point. I am absolutely not an expert in accounts. Um, and why would I waste stressful many hours trying to work out what my tax liability is and possibly getting it wrong? Mm -hmm. uh, so absolutely get an accountant. If you've got a high volume of invoices, so say you've got a product business and there's a lot of invoices coming in and out of the business, uh, then get a bookkeeper. Again, they're worth their weight in gold. They can process all the invoices, do your reconciliation. Um, and you know, I don't, I hate to say get a business coach, but it sounds a bit bonkers, but you absolutely need to get some sort of business support. You absolutely need to read the E-Myth by, uh, E-Myth Revisited by yeah. Michael Gerber. Just read that book. Um, and there are other books, I'm trying to think of the ones on my website, uh, there's one that says an ABC of accounting. Yeah. Um, you really need to learn the basics of running a business. And again, ideally before you start your business, yeah. Go and go and learn this stuff. It might put you off, right? Which is not a bad thing. You really, really need to think because actually delivery is going to be 50%, mm -hmm. if anything, of your business, doing the stuff that you love that you're setting up your business for. The rest of it is the sales, is the admin, is the finances, is the emptying the, the, the bins. It's all the other stuff around it. And it is too easy to get bogged down in all that other stuff. And then you'll end up not doing the stuff that you like doing. So um, outsource as soon as possible is my mantra. So I got a VA, virtual assistant, pretty early on to uh, put my uh, business cards into a, a CRM system, a customer, customer relationship, relationship management system. Yeah, um, they do my social, they do my Twitter, manage my Twitter for me. Uh, she, I would write the blog and then she would post it out across all the different things so you know and for oh, 20 pounds 20 pounds an hour right four hours a month 80 quid right worth every penny of it to enable me to concentrate on the stuff that i was supposed to be doing which was growing my business let's so talk, let's talk a bit more about growing the business i mean i think the biggest question is how do i get customers Ah, the thorny question. The thorny question, because that this is where I've seen, you know, Indies really struggle. You know, how do I get people to buy stuff from, from me? Well, whoa, we need to step back before we start going out and selling. Yeah. The biggest mistake that business owners make is, yeah. or new business owners is, I need to sell everything to everybody. 
Yeah. When you ask them, what is it you, who, who's your market? They go, oh, it's everybody. Well, it's not. Um, it absolutely isn't. Uh, so what you need to do before you start finding customers is to identify who your customers are, right? You absolutely need to understand quite clearly who they are. What do they want? Uh, what are their pains? What does what you do help them solve that pain or give them the outcome that they want? Um, where are they? Where do they hang out? Where are you going to find these people? How do they consume information? Are they on the internet? Do they read newspapers? Yeah. Uh, you know, how do they get the information um, that you want to, you know, where do they hang out for you to go and feed them that information? And how do they like to be sold to, mm -hmm. right? Do they like the cold call? Do they prefer a, a webinar than a lead magnet than a something else? You know, how do, how do they prefer to be sold to? Um, and then that needs to be linked to your uh, business goals and your sales targets. Um, so there's lots of moving parts, right? So you need to understand intimately who your customer is before you sell them. So for me, uh, as a business coach, uh, networking was where I started, was where I got my clients from because they're all SMEs, they're small businesses. Yeah. Um, so, you know, right in my target market and uh, LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So LinkedIn is the main place that um, I work and Facebook to a degree because Facebook seems to be more uh, engaging of, of the business side of people. So I am and I have Twitter, but Twitter just kind of does its own thing. Mm -hmm. It's just about presence. So if someone goes and Googles my name, they will find me in lots of different places. They'll see my YouTube channel. They'll see my Facebook. They'll see my LinkedIn. So it's just about does she exist and does she do what she says on the tin? So I would always. Uh, say work on identifying who your customers are in the first place and all the the where are they what do they want how are you going to solve it for them um and then and only at that point work out what your marketing plan is mm -hmm. again you do not need to be selling everywhere it's far better to be an expert at one you know we keep getting i'm in a mastermind group and one of the questions comes up well I'm, where are you getting your clients from linkedin well double down on linkedin right so if linkedin is working for you as a source Go and mine LinkedIn as much as possible. If it's Instagram, just concentrate on Instagram. Stop trying to market across everything. Concentrate on the place where they're, they're going to, um, where they're going to be. Um, and please, 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 don't be tempted by the person who comes along and says, "If you pay me squillions of pounds of money doing SEO or Google ads or a Twitter campaign or a Facebook campaign is going to be the thing that's going to make the difference to your business. I promise you it's not. It, it's, you need it's, really, to. It's, it's really interesting because there's lots of terms and concepts and three letter acronyms and all, all sorts there. So, it, it, you know, I guess that's a, a big challenge for someone new to, to business. And I a guess. Lot. I guess the answer, which you're helping us see as we go along, is, is get some help. Get someone who knows the turf. Who, who well, exactly. So, you know, certainly a marketing expert would be very helpful to help you get that. Yeah. Um, that whole potential customer and working out what it is. And then obviously the other thing is learn how to sell, which is the other really, really important side. Everybody, everybody there is a tendency to tell people what you do. Yeah. Hi, I'm Karen. I'm a business coach. Yeah. Whereas, which I find slightly challenging, uh, but actually, it's about turning that around. So, um, you know, I help people grow their businesses, right? I help people solve their business problems in order to make themselves a thriving, thriving business that works for them. That's my job: is to help small businesses 
make their companies run how they want it to run, but you need to learn to sell. Yeah. And it's not in your face. Hi, I'm Karen. Buy from me. It's all about conversations. It's about listening. It's about taking them on a journey. So there is a whole like Sandler. Uh, go and check out Sandler videos. Yeah. Their selling methodology is fantastic about taking people through the process. Um, it used to be seven touch points before you got a client. So seven things you had to do. They had to see you, read you, yeah. whatever it is, seven times. I think it's gone up something like 20 now. So it is increasingly difficult to sell. Um, so there is a whole range of activities you need to do across the entire sales cycle. And then when you do get to a point where you're talking to somebody, there is a technique and methodology for selling to them. If, if I'm going to take away one thing from today, it'll be about getting that help. There seems to yeah. be there's lots of help. It's, it's very, it's a, it's a wide ranging thing. And just finding someone to help you sort it out in the way is very valuable. Do you, do you think being over 50 makes any difference to running a business? I, I, don't, I don't think. On one level, it doesn't make the blindest bit of difference, right? I started in my 50s, so the Chameleon Guide was launched when I was 51, I think. Um, <clears throat> so from that perspective, it makes, no, it makes no difference. Where I do feel uh, it makes a difference is in terms of, and maybe it's just me, but my physical resilience. Yeah. Um, is not what it used to be so in the good old days you know i could burn the candle at both ends i could work all the hours god sends and i was fine what i find now is i actually have to look after myself yeah uh much better so um i just finished a three and a half month contract before christmas and it nearly killed me right i was doing really long long days i was working at the weekends um and i had to look after myself properly right I had to come home. I had to go to bed, um, you know, and I had to really look after myself. So I found that that for me is the challenge of being in, in my 50s is that I am I am slower. I don't have the um, unbound energy reserves of before. And I and I do need to look after myself. But apart from that, there's absolute. Oh, and being a menopausal woman, mm -hmm. you know, with the night sweats and the insomnia that comes with it. Sorry, that's probably too much information, but you know, there are some other, there are some other challenges and, um, you know, equally I've got a lot of clients. So I, I work generally with clients who are in their fifties actually, um, who are now having, having issues with their parents mm -hmm. or it might be a teenager. So there are a number of other competing factors, but in terms of your ability to run a business in your fifties, there is absolutely nothing to stop you from doing this. So what would be your top piece of advice for, for an indie who, who is new to business? What would be that absolute nugget? <sighs> Starting a business. Yeah. Read the e-myth. Yeah. Uh, read my e-book. I have got an e-book. So everyone's with interest. I've yeah. got a, 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 and it's called So You Think You Want to Start a Business. So it's a quite stark book about all the challenges of, you know what you think reality is going to be and what reality of it actually is it's not very long it's quite a fun book to read i have an entrepreneur test actually if anyone's interested yeah. in in doing that which is, again is a set of questions which will give you a, a an idea of actually is it something that you could be it's, it's quite light-hearted but actually there are some truths in there so um and prepare i think that is the thing to prepare research 
don't you know you may have it foist upon you, you may be made redundant but irrespective of your state yeah. prepare if you're doing this whilst you're still working and looking to run a business try and run it on the side or certainly do research or certainly start teaching yourself about how to run a business um everything about running a business is about prepare 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 plan 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 yeah. action 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 right so preparing and planning is absolutely what you need to do before you start your business in my humble opinion okay so one yeah. last question you know if someone tunes into the last few minutes of the podcast and we want them to rewind right the way back to the very beginning what would what would you say to them you know to be a successful okay. business indie that's a very very difficult question to answer um well, it, it really depends on what, you know, if they are looking to start up a business, yeah. um, then clearly they need to listen from the very beginning because we've kind of talked through the whole the whole process about what type of business, what are the challenges, what do you need to look out for, how do you prepare. Um, so the whole conversation has kind of talked us through from soup to nuts. So if you want to, looking at starting a new business, then, then, then rewind. <laughs> excellent well thank you very much for spending the time this morning and your book is available on amazon on amazon on all good amazons um, all good amazons kindle or hard copy and if people want to get in touch what's the best way to do it particularly you know if they want to get hold of your uh book about starting a business your ebook or your... well my email address uh, so that's Karen at the Chameleon Guide, as in the little lizard that changes yeah. colour when it falls along trees. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, so you can contact me via LinkedIn. I have a website, thechameleonguide.com. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Uh, but yes, if you if you want to speak to me, then uh, Karen uh, at thechameleonguide.com is probably the best bet. But if you want to check out my stuff, then go and have a look at all the other other areas fantastic thank you very much for spending the time this morning it's been a a very useful interview and i'm sure people will find that there is an awful lot of content and very good advice there so thank you very much karen well oh, thank you very much for having me i've enjoyed it and i could talk for hours as you may well have guessed thanks for joining us on the indie interview for more information tools or to book one of our team to work with you or your business or if you'd like us to speak at your event or conference visit imnotdoneyet.co.uk if you have any questions or comments please email us at andrew at imnotdoneyet.co.uk please do follow or like us on facebook or instagram